Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Once again, we're coming to you from my sumptuous balcony in Las Vegas, Nevada. You may hear a few birds chirping outside. You may hear a few vehicles on the road that's out in the distance. I'm looking out at the park that I can see over the wall, my balcony. It's a gorgeous day here. And I'm out here sitting, having a cigar. And the guest we have today is a fellow cigar aficionado, somebody who I'm very excited to introduce to you. He has a very interesting perspective on entrepreneurship and success in business that's based on his background as an Iron Man. His name is Robert Clinkenbeard. He's a serial entrepreneur, excuse me, serial entrepreneur, author, and as I said, Iron Man. He's the CEO of the Radix Group LLC, which has offices in Greensville, excuse me, Greenville, uh, blah, 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 Phoenix, and the United Kingdom. He's an entrepreneur, an author, senior leader in EO, and a four-time Ironman. And he's about to tell you more. But first, let's bring him in. Robert Clinkenbeard, come on in. The weather's fine. Thank you, Adam. Really excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation to your wonderful show. Awesome. Well, what we like to do here, and our listeners know this, is our listeners are left to feel like they are sitting in on a private mastermind session. So it'll be a conversation between you and me where we bounce ideas off each other. You share some of your brilliance and your passion with our audience. And they sit there with their pad of paper and two pens ready to capture those aha moments that will naturally come up as they discover ways to advance their business success. I am not only the host of this show, I'm the number one listener. So I too have my notepad and my two pens because I know I'm gonna capture a few things. Before we get into all that though, what we like to do here is I read off your official bio. It's very impressive. Not sure I'm worthy to be here, and it's my show. <laughs> but what we like to do is let's get a sense of a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving your audience from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Sure. Um, so you can tell by my accent, I'm uh, not originally from here, not from the States. Okay. Um, so back in, you know, I grew up in Edinburgh, Scotland, and, you know, I was going through a pretty rough time with, uh, with being through a divorce, uh, weather was pretty crappy, and right. uh, just, I wasn't necessarily doing great at uh, my job as well. And so my, my friends said, hey, why don't you take a trip across to the States? Why don't you go to Arizona? So I went across there in December of uh, 2015, sorry, uh, 2009. And uh, I just thought, you know, this is a beautiful place. And I, I was watching all these people with, you know, nice houses, um, you know, nice cars. It was Ferraris, it was Porsches. And then, you know, part of my trip, I was, you know, skiing. I went up to Flagstaff and joined the, the ski up there. And then I went down to the southern Arizona. I was doing mountain biking. I was doing um, just, you know, sailing. I was doing all these other wonderful sports, paragliding. And I, I went back to Scotland and, you know, one afternoon, the rain was bouncing off the window. It was miserable outside. And I thought, you know, why, why am I still here? Why am I in Scotland? I mean, it's a beautiful country, great people. But, you know, I, I want what they have. I want this nice weather. I want these opportunities. I want to be an entrepreneur. I, I found that a lot of these people with nice houses and cars or owned their own business or they were CEOs of large companies. Uh -huh. so I thought, well, what, what do I need to do to level up? And probably five months after that, I, I packed my bags, sold my house, sold my car, pretty much sold most of my possessions and arrived in Phoenix airport a day later. And, uh, 
you know, here was thinking that oh, somebody's going to hand me a million dollar check, enjoy that that American dream. They're going to give me tickets to the the Ritz Carlton and Phoenix and pick me up with a limousine. And yeah, that didn't quite happen. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, I just you know it was it was pretty tough at the beginning because I I had um, you know no credit history no social security number and here I was in Phoenix didn't really know anybody so it was a pretty interesting start to my journey right and you know that's the funny thing we have the ox and the horse cart so you need things to get started but you can't get started until you have those things but you have to get started to get those things it's it's a vicious cycle it's the same thing with securing funding in this day and age you have to get credit to get funding but then you have to receive funding and create a credit history to get funding. Like, what the hell do you do? I know. <laughs> I was, I was, I mean, it was like, I was like a complete ghost when I first came across here. And, you know, I luckily had a little bit of cash behind me and I bought mm-hmm. stuff with cash and, you know, bought my truck and stuff like that. But it was, it was pretty brutal at the beginning. And luckily I was, here by myself i didn't really have any family that came with me otherwise they, they you know would have been a struggle for them but right you know what i you know it's what what is the saying you burn you burn your bridge or you burn your boat so you can't burn the boats burn the boats yeah that's the way i that's felt i thought you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna succeed here i'm just gonna dig in and use my go my scottish it. grit and go for it yeah I, I figured scotland i recognize that accent uh, i had a really good friend he passed away last year god rest his soul um he was from scotland and man we would have some conversations over a couple stogies and uh yes 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 uh it's a place i want to visit someday so uh first of all another thing that we really love here on the business creators radio show is i love to feature stories of folks who come from all over the world come to the united states and share their stories about how they captured their piece of what we call the American dream. So I want to honor that as well. And let's dive in here. So first of all, you got to a point where, and this kind of follows from your story, you were ready to scale up the company. So what were some of the game-changing decisions that drove that? Uh, And the reason I ask that is one of our key demographics here at Business Creators Radio are startups transitioning into revenue and solopreneurial ventures transitioning into leveraged organizations. Yeah, so you know, I, I started off working with you know different uh, different companies, just you know, as an employee. And I thought, again, I'm I'm not satisfying my journey, so I started my own business in yeah, 2001. And yeah, it was a difficult struggle at the beginning, um, you know, with again cash flows. And the main, the main goal at that time in the first few years was really just to try and get as much revenue as possible. Uh-huh. So I was taking pretty much any jobs. I was taking in <laughs> any clients. I mean, we were focusing mainly on the commercial part. But you know, after a few years, I really figured, I knew that I didn't know as much as in business as I, I should. So I started to surround myself with some good employees, some good people around me, uh, and really just try to figure things out. And But uh, I think after... I would say maybe three to four years, I figured I shouldn't necessarily go after every single revenue opportunity. Let's start dialing in a little bit more about who are my core customers, who are my raving fans that I can really take care of. Yep. Uh, they're, they're going to give me higher profitability jobs because they're not necessarily going to question the, the price. It's just you go and do a great job for them. So I looked at that, those core clients and then I started to get a little bit more dialed into who are those employees I want to surround myself with? I'm not an expert at everything. So who, who are some of the people where I have blind spots, weak areas like financials was, was a struggle for me. Uh, selling was, you know, I was okay at selling, but is there somebody out there that could really go deeper relationships with clients? So yeah, I, I look back at myself and figure out where, where are my blind spots? And then who can I hire that are either better than me or maybe more enthusiastic and bring some energy into the company. So they, they were sort of two of the early wins. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's great. Now you're at a point where you have you know since you've had over 300 employees and now you coach business owners. You know, let's link this a little bit to your Ironman experience. 
What are some of the principles that you like to introduce from your days of playing team sports? So, yeah, I mean, I used to play a lot of uh, soccer. I used to play rock, rock, rugby before moving to triathlons. But where I, I mix up the two um, is when you're playing team sports, when you look at coaching people, all the people on the team don't have the same skill levels. They, they have different personalities. And it's the same with employees. So as a coach or an owner, you really have to identify where the strengths are in your team, yeah. where your weak spots are, and figure out how you can bring out the best in them. And then maybe figure out ways and how you can you know, cover some of those blind spots. Is there somebody else in the, the team that can maybe have, have a strength that covers the blind spot of your main employee? So really got to take every single team member uh, look at the strengths and weaknesses and figure out how can you maximize them to take them on your journey to a bigger company. How do you get them to show you that though? There's trust issues involved in this. There are issues of how they may appear to you and to other team members and to the organization. I myself have learned over time that just being candid about who and what I am is one of my assets and people are either going to love that or going to hate that. And I do have people love it. I do have people hate it. But in your experience, what have you found to be effective to get people to show you authentically what all that really is? Because yeah, you can ask, what is your greatest strength and what is your greatest weakness? And they will happily lie to you. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. No, I, you know, I obviously, I see it and how they operate and in their role, but I, I become a really big fan of personality assessments uh, I'll do that with uh, hiring new employees. I'll even do it as reminders for existing employees. And that's really a good way to find out what the strengths and blind spots are. And then what I used to do back at my company is that if I, if I want to build a team to uh, like a, a pod or a small team to work on a project, I will look at all those assessments and I'll pick out how they can complement each other. Because if I want a successful project executed, then... I don't want everybody who's, you know, A-type players or I don't want everybody who's, you know, all great salespeople and talk a good game. I want to try and mix them up to, so they all complement each other and to actually execute in the project. So, yeah, personality assessments, I, I think, are huge. Yeah. Personality assessments, I think, are part of it. And I also have found in my own experience working with teams, one of the things I do in the business consulting side of my work is help people manage and develop their virtual teams, not only their communications, but also the technologies they use to manage asynchronous personalities and asynchronous working styles and organizations. And have you ever found that uh, there are some people out there, and I self-point when I say this, who are just eccentric? <laughs> uh, yes, of course. There's so many personalities out there, and uh, yeah, I mean, you you have to, you know, you have to deal with who you have. I mean, hopefully, you've gone through a good hiring process and really evaluated the people in the company, and then, then once you have that team, then what, how can you figure out how to best use them? You know, because as you've probably seen through your coaching or talking to people, I mean, it's a huge issue right now with finding good employees. So finding any employees, I should say. So, um, yeah, I mean, once you bring them into the company, then how, how can you best use, bring out their best skills? Yeah. Uh, so I guess the next thing I'm, I'm wondering here is, you know, I went through a situation, I've shared this so many times in both the stories behind both my businesses, that I went through a three-year period where I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I'd been an entrepreneur for 13 years. I'd been through a few different iterations of the business. I had some clients who had actually been with me the entire time through all the iterations who are with me today. And I work with them on a private bespoke type basis. But when I looked into the future, all I saw was a blank screen. So I didn't know, I didn't have anything to market really. So I didn't market anything. The only thing I had was this podcast, the Business Creators Radio Show. And it did two things for me. It gave me something to share with my audience every week to keep them around. And it also gave me the opportunity to connect with 52 awesome people like you every year, which gave me the opportunity to still get involved in deals. Uh, since I didn't know what I wanted to be, 
test different opportunities that came up without having to declare myself to be in that business or run a marketing plan around it, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. I ultimately landed on launching podcasts as being the true intersection of my brilliance and my passion, which is why I created the podcast reach system and the podcast creators Institute in 2019. So let's say you have unhappy business owners. Um, and sometimes that happiness comes from so much being on the business or actually working in the business that they don't work on the business. And it's hard to make that transition, particularly when you know you need to leverage, you need, know you need to outsource, but then there's that also that small problem. You have to pay people to do it and you don't exactly have money burning holes in your pocket at the time. So aside from that, what other issues come up and how do we make that shift? Again, a lot of our listeners are making that shift from solopreneur to leveraged organization. No, I mean, that's a, a huge issue. And I, I come across that all the time. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I can think of off the top of my head is I think with COVID happening, that a lot more, uh, there's a lot more availability of fractional type expertise out there. And so you don't necessarily, if you have some type of a need or you want to outsource, you don't necessarily have to hire somebody full-time to help you with that. So I think, you know, first of all, identify what's something I could outsource and obviously make sure it makes sense um, to make that investment. But ultimately, what I usually find when I, when I help my clients is that they'll usually make up really quickly by allowing the owner to focus on what they're passionate about. They might be great at sales or they might be good at some other real skill set. So quickly, if they're allowed or freed up to go out and spend time there, they enjoy uh, working on, then they'll, they'll quickly forget about that cost. So that there are so many opportunities out there to start to delegate and start to outsource uh, some of the things that are really keeping them in the business because, you know, ultimately I, I come across so many owners that are really un unhappy because they're, they feel as though they come into work, they work 12 hours a day and they go home just exhausted because they're spinning their wheels. And I, I try and get them to a point where they actually enjoy coming back into work again. They actually enjoy working on the things they're good at. And they're now, you know, got somebody else who's running some of the, the daily grind or some of the sand they're pushing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's a huge issue. In my, you know, my thing is I remember when I started my, I started as an entrepreneur, it was me doing side hustles in the training and development field. And then I decided I really caught the entrepreneurial bug and I was going to get out of my job and do this full time. But you know, it took me two years to do it because I didn't know back in 2003 what I know now. It should have been three months, but whatever. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> so, I've, so I formed a limited liability company. And uh, who do you think was the first person I hired? Because um, I, I did make a hire right away. Let me guess. I, it's probably a, either a salesperson or financial expert. An accountant. Yeah. First thing I wanted was a CPA who specialized in small business entrepreneurial accounting who could also then do the personal side of it because you know with limited liability companies there's that whole uh there's that whole liability tax taxation pass-through thing so i want i want somebody to do both sides of it and also he's an expert when it comes to tax planning rather than tax compliance although he's good with the compliance as well but he understands the tax planning side of it that's before I even started thinking about virtual teams, web designers, virtual assistants, or anything like that. I think that was, in hindsight, one of the best moves I made because it got me grounded in this pretty quickly. He has been able to explain to me in layman's terms what he does, what the impacts are. And when he gives me all the documents to sign, I know just enough about them to understand what I'm signing, even though I have no idea how we really put it together, <laughs> right? Uh, right? But there's one thing I don't let go is the entry into QuickBooks. My organization is still at the point where it's small enough where there really aren't that many transactions and the vast majority of them are recurring monthly. So it's mostly just a matter of repeat, 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 repeat. Here's why I do it. Uh, it's very simple. I cannot get a better financial picture of what my cash flow is doing than to actually look at the cash flow. You could hand me charts, pie graphs, bar graphs, continuum lines, balance sheets, reconciliation statements, and everything. 
And I'll still say, well, bottom line, how much should I profit or lose this year? But when I feel it viscerally and I'm entering that transaction, I say, oh, well, 5,000 came in here and then 4,800 went out through A, B, C, D, and E. And I'm paying for this every month? Really? I tell people this and the first thing they say is that I'm stupid and I should hire a bookkeeper, but I disagree. No, I mean, you're, you're right. And, yeah, and I'll then take that a stage further and I'll say to clients, hey, it's all very well looking at you know, the financials the 15th of the month after the month is finished, but yeah. why not start asking your team what are some of the sales that are in the pipeline you know, as you, as you go, you know, obviously, you know, earlier of the month right now. So what are some of the sales that are coming in this month? What are some of the expenses yeah. and starting start to project how the month is going to look and you can make some adjustments or pivots as you're going through the month. So hopefully you come out with a profitable month, but too many people rely on look at the results afterwards and then, you know, complaining or cursing or whatever and it's too late so you know try, try and get into a little bit more proactive planning and th there are so many owners out there that don't necessarily spend time to do budgets so i usually say hey you know in november december let's get a budget set for for next year for 2022 so that again you can start to compare some numbers you can have some projections and you can start to Really, to your team, hey, this is some of the targets we want to work towards. What are some of the the tactics, techniques that we need to do to 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 hit those numbers and exceed them? So get your team involved. They can maybe even help you prepare some of those numbers. Um, I don't think we ask our employees, especially some of our key employees, enough on some of the things that they can do to help with where the company's going. Right, right, right. So. Um... What characteristics have you found, whether it's attitude, mindset, skills, education, do you find important when it comes to getting through those natural challenges that we all run across as entrepreneurs? Uh, mindset, and I, I touch on it in my book that, you know, every single, I mean, regardless of how positive you are that you're always going to come up with some type of challenges, either in business and personal, personally in relationships, family, there are always challenges hitting us every single day. And there could be some minor ones, could be some major ones, but, you know, those are the things that really set to test you. So, you know, when I talk about my book that, yeah, I had no concept at all when I first started the business that I was going to get to 20 million. And we, we experienced so many challenges along the way. We were, hit with lawsuits, we were hit with, you know, I think over a period of three months, we, three of our trucks were totaled. Wow. Uh, we had employees stealing from us, um, trucks stolen, everything, single thing was thrown at us. But, you know, a couple of things kept me going was, you know, first of all, you know, my family. I wanted to make sure that I was being successful for my family because I wanted to give them that good lifestyle. Uh, not in a pretentious way, but just, you know, just be somewhat comfortable. But I think what really hit home to me was, you know, when we had, you know, 350 employees, we, we were really big into taking care of our employees and making sure we're treating them well and, um, you know, sharing our success with them. So we did a big company event one day and we said, hey, bring along your, your family, bring along your, your, your kids. So there must have been five or 600 people there. You know, we rented out a whole park, we played, you know, we did soccer, we did all these other sports. But what really struck me was that I wasn't just providing for, for my family, I wasn't providing, I was providing for all my employees and their families. So those are the types of mindset that went through my head to make sure that, you know, kept me going through some of those challenges that came up. And yeah, some of them might knock you down, but, you know, I'm, I'm picking myself right back up there. You know, even if it's five or six times, and I'm going to charge through and use that grit to be successful in a day. But you know, everybody goes through those dark days. It's just a case of what's what's that motivating factor? What's that northern star or that thing you have in your vision that's going to carry you through those challenging times? Wow. Um, you know, I've got 99 problems too. 
But when I hear that story, I realize how blessed I am. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. So why is it that we as entrepreneurs, in your opinion, struggle when it comes to this level of candor? You've heard the analogy of leaving certain footage on the cutting room floor and creating a highlight reel. But I like these stories because this is this is the real and the raw. I mean, I, I share my story about how I went through three years of not even wanting to be in business and not knowing what kind of business I wanted to do and having no framework for figuring it out. I know people who deal with bankruptcies, who deal with their personal lives, just wreaking havoc on the whole thing. Why don't we share? Uh, ego. Okay. I think, you know, but part of the problem is, is that and that's just part of the reason why I joined the, the, the EO organization where a lot of business owners will feel as though they're on an island because all the time they're just hanging out with either their family or some close friends who are not necessarily entrepreneurs. So, you know, they want to present this business is great. I'm doing well. There's, you know, there's obviously ego coming in. There's, they, you know, they, they want to look as though they're, they've got this, you know, steadfast, you know, armor um, they're wearing. But in actual fact, a lot of them are really struggling you know, because of all the challenges we just talked about. So, you know, there, there are so many business owners out there that are willing to share their experiences. They're willing to share everything they've gone through. It's just a case of, you know, who, who are the people that you're hanging out with? You know, do you, are you asking the right questions? Are people in an environment where they can maybe separate themselves from the day-to-day grind of the business and go into a, a safe environment and share all these things. And, you know, EO did that for me. I joined the organization about 12, 13 years ago. So I'm in a room with, you know, eight other business owners every month. And yeah, we're talking about all the challenges I just mentioned, but, you know, usually in one case or another, somebody has already experienced that problem. So they're willing to share what they did as, you know, as a, maybe an idea and how you can get out of the situation you're in. So it was, it's hugely helpful to, to be surrounded by the right people. Yeah, I got you. <sighs> yeah. What my personal discovery in this was about 10 years ago, I got out of a really bad relationship where I was actually the one that ended it. And I don't want to cast aspersions, but part of the reason I ended it is because I found out the chick was batshit crazy. So I had fears that she was going to cause a ruckus and interfere with my brand and scream things from the highest mountaintop uh, that uh, may or may not have even been true. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I imagine you've been through, you know, breakups and separations and things like that, you know, regardless of what your personal situation is now. And, you know, that nobody's perfect in these situations. And I, and I knew I wasn't perfect either. And I was really afraid to that people would find out that I was going through a rough breakup and then have stuff posted on my social media by her and her friends and stuff like that, which didn't happen, by the way, I managed it. And I started confiding in other entrepreneurs and over and over again, I heard four words, welcome to the club. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For and, sure. And, the, and the stories that these, that these men told me and even a couple women, uh, that I, I, I confided in people and gave me that same reaction I had a moment ago that, gee, you know, I have 99 problems, but uh, the ones I have right now have me blessed compared to somewhat of him right now. Yeah, and, you know, that, that's what I mean earlier about, you know, you feel as though you're on, on an island and you, you're the only one dealing with that problem. But, you know, most other business owners, depending on the size of the company, are, are, are more than likely either have experienced that issue or they know somebody who's gone through that. So, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, that's part of the reason why I do coaching now is because, you know, I, I want to be able to go into companies and help owners and hopefully make less mistakes than I did. I want to share what I've gone through so that they can maybe get to what their their ultimate goal is maybe a year or two quicker or maybe have a, a bigger exit. But, you know, that's my whole goal in life. Right, 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 right. So um, 
you know, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. And we've opened a few loops in the course of our conversation. I'm going to circle back and close a few of them now. Uh, are you still doing Iron Man? Since I had my twins, I have not done any Ironman races. I've done a bunch of bike races and running, but no full Ironman races. But yeah, I, and you know, COVID obviously affected that a little bit as well. But next year, 2022, I've got a couple of races on the calendar. Uh, looking forward to get back out there. Right. Uh, but you still work out a lot. Yeah, I'm still working out six times uh, a week. I just feel as though... You know, part of my whole success and DNA is to make sure I, I'm constantly improving on a daily basis. So I, I just have a series of habits that I go through every day just to, again, help me out. Yeah, okay. Um, now, what are some of those things that enable you to do that? That's a, And this is a struggle for me. This is where I'm actually uh, using this as an opportunity to gain some masterminding for myself. Uh, I'm 44 years old. I... So every time I get checked, my vitals are perfect. My blood's good. My blood pressure is where it's supposed to be. My heart's working. Uh, there's no cancer. There's uh, uh, the diabetes I'm worried about due to genetics and my body type just hasn't shown up yet. Uh, you know, my biggest issue right now is an occasional minor case of recurring cellulitis, which has even gone down since I started taking my cephalexin. I have no range of prescriptions. I, I wake up every morning feeling like I'm ready to win the race for America, but there's just one problem. I sit around too damn much, and it's because there's so much going on with business between uh, serving the clients, doing the marketing, and also I'm working on writing two books and everything else. So, you know, you mentioned to me in the green room, you work out about 20 hours a week. How do you balance that? Uh you know, I, I'm just super disciplined. I mean, part of the reason why I was able to, to do my Ironman training when I had my business, you know, with all these employees was I, I just super disciplined. I mean, yes, I had the right people in place and they had the right parameters to work and be successful in the business. But, you know, I was up most mornings at 4.30 in the morning. I had a group of you know, triathletes I usually met up with so that there was accountability piece there. And so it was either running or biking in the mornings, and then I would carve out some time in the afternoon to go do swimming. But I had to be super disciplined about my, my calendar. So I would block out times for doing either my training or doing my nutrition. And then I had to go into every single day and be intentional about some of the goals in that day. So, you know, make sure all the agendas were in place, make sure that meetings were were tight and had an agenda and how had outcomes i had my you know and i talk about it in my book because i had my roadmap for my business which is where i was taking a company in 10 15 years but i also had my my roadmap or my training plan for the ironman races so every single day i knew how much i needed to bike how much i needed to to run now you know i'm not necessarily promoting that somebody run you know starts doing an ironman race but you know, if you could carve out, block out, you know, 10, 15 minutes or half an hour every single day to do some type of workout or fitness, even if it's just walking around the block, uh, you know, you know, you talked earlier, Adam, about, you know, being really busy serving your clients, but, you know, could you, you know, could you do one of your calls when you're walking around the block and, you know, I don't think, you know, people are not necessarily hearing all that strenuous exercise, but um, I'll sometimes do that. I'll just walk down my driveway and talk to some of my clients. And, you know, it's perfectly acceptable these days that, you know, you're in that remote environment. So look look to ways and how you can intertwine those, and I call them quality time blocks into your, into your day where you can start doing either exercise or reflection time. Uh, so that, that's certainly what's worked for me over the years. I was given some advice a while ago, and I found this to be very helpful, is if I need to make some outgoing phone calls that are on or like unscheduled, or I need to get back to people or what have you, to gather up like three or four of them and take them with me when I need to drive somewhere where I'm going to be on the road for 30 to 45 minutes. 
And there's something about being in a vehicle that, that you're, you being in a vehicle or you being in transit that helps people get to the point. Because sure. otherwise, because otherwise, otherwise, if they sense you're sitting in your office, they're going to start, you know, asking you know, how's the weather and everything else. And uh, yeah, I can tell you how the weather is. It's fine. I'm sitting outside <laughs> right now. I, like, like I, I live in Las Vegas. It's extremely hot uh, for three months. It's uh, gorgeous for six months. And then the other three months, you need to wear a fall jacket. There's no mystery there. That's that's not a yeah. And we get rain four times a year. I I can't really tell you more about the weather than that. Yeah. No, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, I spent some time in Vegas, and uh, I, I think even though a lot of people complain about COVID and being on Zoom, I mean, I think there's definitely some benefits there that people are just a little bit more tighter with some of their agendas and schedules. There's not quite so much, you know, extra conversations that don't need to be had. So there are just some benefits here. Yeah. Do you, Robert, do you find yourself, if you, you mentioned, personality assessments and understanding how people function from a neuroscience perspective, although we didn't use that word specifically, you have, where do you find yourself on a continuum of introvert to extrovert? Where would you place yourself? Uh, Definitely introverted for sure. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm so introverted. They had to make a special category way over to the left side of that timeline just for me. (laughs) But I mean, you you're doing a great job here. So obviously, when the time is needed, you will get out your shell and do a great yep. job. And that, that's similar to what I did. And when I went to business events, you just you know you take yourself out of that you know that shell and you perform where you need to. Yeah. Well, when you know back in the day when I used to go to a lot of in-person conferences, and I mean a lot. You know, most of them are three days. You know, yep. some some are two, some are four. I discovered a few things about myself. Day one, I'm going to be walking into this big room. And you know, back in the days, you'd have hundreds of people in the room. I would find somebody I already knew somehow, whether I knew them in person or there's somebody online who I was now meeting in person for the first time, not an unusual phenomenon. And I would just sort of hang out with them most of the first day because I wanted to be near a friendly face and have somebody I could have a conversation with that I felt comfortable with. But at the same time, I needed at least that first day just to capture the vibe of the room and understand how I fit in. And that took a whole day to do. I discovered that my, I do my best work. Because why do we go to these conferences? Uh, do, we, do we do it to uh, sit there like students and diligently take notes? What do we really go to conferences for? To meet people, hopefully get some new prospects. To get business, man. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. I discovered that... I do my best work in the last two hours of the final day and in hanging around for an hour after the official end. Okay. So I learned to structure my energies, my participation, and my expectations knowing that everything I was doing was building me up for that three-hour time period. I like that. I like that. That's, and then, yeah. and then, and then after that, I could I could go crash for six days. I like that. I like that's a great tip. I mean, yeah, you build all your energy up, and you you set yourself up for success. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. Uh huh. And and what I see in this day and age, with you know, we hear the term zoomed out, and I can. There are a lot of scientific explanations for why that is. Some of it has to do with the whole blue screen effect. And actually, I'll give you a few. There's the blue screen effect, which happens to anybody when they're on a computer for too long. Now you're on a computer or on a device. Uh, there's this expectation held by many that, well, you have to turn your camera on and let people see you. Here's the problem with that. You and I are having an audio conversation. We're on Zoom right now, but we're having an audio conversation. So I'm sitting in my lounge chair. I'm totally relaxed. Um, I don't know how you're positioned right now because I can't see you either, which is fine. But let's say you and I were meeting in person. We would probably be sitting uh, at a table or in two two chairs, would most likely be sitting side by side. We would not be looking at each other the entire time. And would there be natural pauses in our conversation from time to time where we just kind of sat there? Oh, yeah, for sure. would there be body language that we would send to each other that would signal that we were in a pause? 
Think mm-hmm. about it. Yep. Yeah. And if one of us, like, let's say I asked you a question and you wanted a minute to think about it, you could shift in your chair, maybe lean back a little bit, cross your legs, uh, put your hand on your chin, uh, do that thing with your shoulders and bow your head slightly. That lets me know you're saying to me, yo, man, I got you, but just give me a minute. Yep. Yeah. You're picking up on that body language. Does that, does that exist on zoom? Uh, no, not as, no. Not as, um, not no. as um, easy to spot. No, the, the, sure. issue with Zoom, the issue with Zoom is you are basically sitting straight up or standing because otherwise you're going to look really bad in the camera. You're trying to keep your eyes focused on a little dot so that it looks like you're viewing the other participants in the eye and at the same time going up and down or side to side to actually see what's going on in the room. You, uh, people see your head, maybe down to your solar plexus, depending on how zoomed out you are camera-wise, and that's all you see of them. So you miss all of those nonverbal cues that create the feedback loop. And if somebody goes silent for like two seconds, what happens? Just like that awkward. Are you are you are you there? Uh, yeah. we, are we still connected? <laughs> are you asleep? <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why we get that's why we get zoomed out. So yeah. I have a I have a few rules about this. Uh, the business creators radio show that we're on right now has been audio only since we started in September 2013. I ain't changing that because I love these conversations. Uh, I love the ability to just you know go into my, my interview trance and mastermind with people like you. I, uh, I have another podcast. It's called the Brilliance Plus Passion Podcast. It's a completely different format where there are short 15-minute interviews with a burst of 10 questions where everybody answers the same questions. They're really designed just to put spotlights on people. And those do have a video component because I use them for viral marketing. And I use them for search engine marketing using the key phrases of my guests to attract some of their visitors and traffic to me. So for that reason, I do it. And I, I see I can do it for 15 minutes, but I can't do it for an hour. I also have a role that uh, depending on the meeting I'm in, and like if it's like my weekly team meeting with this one group I'm involved in or my weekly networking group, if they look at my Zoom, like if you looked at my Zoom right now, you'd see a picture of a cat. Well, that's what they're going to see is a picture of my cat. I don't care. And then I just downsize my Zoom screen. I don't need to see people to have a conversation. I mean, you and I are conversating. Well, I don't see you. Yeah, yeah for sure. We're doing yeah. good. We're doing good. Yeah, yeah. It. yeah, so I'm sharing this just to help people understand that the ability to be real about how your energy ebbs and flows and how to use that to support your efforts contributes to not only your physical health, but also your ability to succeed entrepreneurially. No, no, for sure. No. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, it's interesting, the whole Zoom thing, because uh, I've had lots of really good Zoom calls, but uh, really trying to figure out, especially in, if you're on some bigger calls with a lot of people on it. I mean, it's so brutal trying to figure out the, the vibe of the room. But uh, yeah, I far prefer that face-to-face, yeah. looking at their body language and uh-huh molding yourself around that so i'm definitely a big fan there yeah so what i've what i've also discovered is uh if i like if i go into you know group zoom situations and things like that and i just don't feel like having my camera on uh, basically there are there are two choices i give them um a the a answer is no you're going to see a picture of my cat and i found that sometimes i go into rooms and i and i just and i just show the avatar the picture of my cat and uh comments start breaking out like oh what a pretty kitty and they start asking questions about her and things like that and i actually use that as a way of building rapport and then there's and then there's another and there's a b answer if they really want to push the whole thing like well to be in our networking group we require that everybody have their camera on so we can see each other i say okay i'll turn my camera on but i can't guarantee what you're going to see <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, I might, I might lean back in my chair and you only see my forehead. I might have a cigar lit. I might have a little bit of scotch uh, in my glass. I might have some iced tea in my glass. My cat might roam in front of the screen and she may stick her tail up at you. 
hey, you want the camera on. So <laughs> that's how we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right, rightly so. I mean, I, I think ultimately you want to be in a nice, relaxed environment. So you, you're comfortable sharing information with your guests and the people you're talking to. So I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's circle back a bit to your international journeys and you, know, you coming to the United States and creating your business. Uh, you're, you're from Scotland. Now, what advantages or disadvantages coming from Scotland have you discovered working with and coaching United States business owners? No, I mean, I think, you know, obviously the, the accent helps initially to, to make that initial contact because yep. um, people, you know, enjoy the accent and, you know, breaks down the ice when you're, you're making that initial uh, you know, prospecting. But, you know, I think where my accent and, and where I was brought up, it sort of goes back to that, that grit, that determination that typically most people know Scottish are for. Yeah. When I, when I get into companies, then, I'll definitely tell them pretty straight some of the things they need to change in their business. And if they're not doing things that is ultimately going to be successful for the business and why they hired me, then I'm going to tell them straight. So I'm, I'm pretty bold when I, you know, tell people what they need to do, but also my determination in terms of holding them accountable, making sure that we're leaving every meeting with some type of a, a plan, what are some of the tasks that they're going to be working on between now and my next visit. So that accountability piece comes in, that Scottish grit and determination, because ultimately I'm not coming in to, you know, make myself look good. I want ultimately the business owner to come out of this relationship with a successful business that's higher revenue or maybe higher profit. Um, so, yeah, I think that determination kicks on a lot from that background where I grew up. I found, I have, as I mentioned, there's actually a theme here on my podcast where we've had a lot of guests who have, part of their story is, I came to the United States from such and such a place. Uh, in my own network of entrepreneurs outside this show, I know a lot of people who are Mexican-American who came from Mexico or their parents came from Mexico. I'm just, I'm just saying that's just how it is. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I belong to a mastermind where a lot of the, where a lot of the people who've been referred to, it happened to be a friends of a couple people who are Mexican-American, whatever, whatever. Uh, I've also dealt with Canadian-Americans, Indian-Americans, uh, British-Americans, such as yourself, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And here's, the common theme that I discovered reflecting on all these conversations and hearing all these stories. When you move from one place to another, it's because you choose to be there. I, I, I have a micro version of this. I grew up and spent the first 30 so years of my life just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then I chose Las Vegas for reasons. Part of it was climate. Part of it was I visited Las Vegas many times and I just liked the culture better. I felt like I fit in more. It was geographically closer to a lot of these conferences and seminars I was attending. You know, Las Vegas is within driving distance of Phoenix, Los Angeles, and San Diego. So proximity to the action without having to pay for it, if you get my drift. Yeah. So I have a feeling of love for Las Vegas that I never felt for where I came from, not because there's anything wrong with where I came from, but it's because it's not what I chose. And it's my contention that when you choose what you want to do, you're going to be more passionate about it because it's part of your process of aligning with who and what you naturally are. No, I, I like that theory. I mean, it's, it makes sense. If you're choosing to go to a place, then more than likely you're going to find the the positives, the good things about it, and and be successful because of that. But you know, I've got so many friends back home, and yeah, great people. But the I almost feel as though sometimes they're always going quickly to the negative. They're always finding fault, or they're always you know finding a way to 
badmouth or criticize. Um, and I think it's just because, you know, that's where they're from and that's where they grew up and they've maybe never given an opportunity to go somewhere else that there was a choosing. I've done a lot of work myself with things like resonance repatterning. We had a client once who is an expert in resonance repatterning. Uh, I've done work with inherited traumas. We had another client who specialized in helping people recognize their family inherited traumas and their cycles. And I think that when you, when you choose a place rather than stay in a place, that's part of the process of breaking the cycle. Uh, I have not been back to Pennsylvania very often to visit. And I found two things that are very, very interesting. Number one, I feel like I'm no longer caught in a lot of those cycles of negativity. And I tend to avoid it because I know that I'm going to walk back into those. And I get along with my family a lot better now that I don't see them all the time. <laughs> and, I and I really don't think that's a case of distance makes the heart grow fonder because I was always very fond of them. Right. I think it's just simply a matter that I changed my surroundings, which removed me from some of the things, I mean, because I mean, you've probably heard of things like this. Uh, you know, if you ever had an argument with your spouse, your significant other, your kids, you know, whatever your situation is, if you ever had an argument, a disagreement, a rough patch with them, of course, <laughs> all the time. Okay, and and do you understand the logic that that exact same argument, disagreement, or rough patch has happened many times in your family history, going back generations? Yeah, yeah, multiple, multiple. You know years. what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because the, because the cycles continue when you stay within proximity, and since you're inside the tunnel, looking out at that little dot, that little dot of light at the end of the tunnel, you don't see it. However, somebody from the outside looking into the tunnel can see those because they're in the light, and so when you step into the light, you can see that for yourself. And as a coach because I know you do a lot of coaching. Do you find that your coaching clients have similar reactions to you, that they have problems that they come to you with, that they feel that if somebody had come to them with that same problem, they would have given, they would have given a really great answer or really great guidance that is actually substantially the same as the guidance they needed from you. However, they could not see it for themselves because they themselves were in the situation. No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the way I talk about it is, you know, if they're typically they're in the weeds, they're in that they're, they can't quite see above what's going on in front of them. So it just takes some type of an outside party, a coach, mentor, whatever you want to call them, to be able to have that clear vision of what's going on and be able to you know, accurately communicate what is going on. And, you know, more, more than likely they're going to listen to you. Yeah. Well, well, I, I can I can tell you this. And again, you can't see what I'm doing here uh, because of uh, uh, because of what we're doing. But, um, you know, I have uh, I have had the opportunity just while we were sitting here to check out some of your works. And you have a couple books out. One's called The Iron Man Mindset for Entrepreneurs and another's called Rock and Sand, A Practical Insight to Business Growth. So, uh, and I know in the second one, you got a collaborator. So with these, with these works, uh, what are just a couple key messages that you get out there? And as we wrap up here today, as soon as our listeners finish streaming this, what is one action you recommend that they take right now that can help them move forward, even if it's by a centimeter toward what it is that is their intersection, their brilliance and passion, and the summation of what they want to be and do? Oh, that's a lot in there. Um, out of the books, I would say develop, um, figure out what your roadmap looks like. Wh where are you going in 5, 10, 15 years? Wh what is that exit strategy you look like, whether it's an actual sale or some other, you know, get somebody else to run your business. So develop a roadmap. Um, and then I suppose my parting tip is to look at your day and be intentional about every single day. What are two or three goals that you can work on? And then second part to that is create some quality time blocks. Block out times in your day, you know, over and above your meetings where you can actually sit down, reflect, or work on a project, or work on something that's actually going to move the needle in your business or personally. 
But unless you block out that time, it's just going to get sucked up by other people's agendas or your inbox or some other non-productive stuff. So right. really block out your quality time blocks. Okay. Uh, what I like to do is I live and die by my calendar. If somebody were to come to me saying, uh, hey, uh, when can we talk? I'm going to say, I don't know, because I don't keep track of that. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head how that works. I pay almost $300 a month between a dedicated website, One's Hub, follow-up systems, everything else, just so I never have to answer the question, when do you have time to talk? When I connect with people, my first move is usually to invite them to one of my podcasts so that we can have a conversation that is enriching to both of us and at the same time support each other in what we do. When I start each day, I go to my Google Calendar, which all my various scheduling apps and stuff feed into, and all my recurrences are on, and I print out a copy of it and keep it beside me. And I, so that tells me where I need to be and what I need to be prepared for as I go through the day. And I just go through it. And I also restrict the days to which I even have that availability. So there are two days a week where I will not take any call, any interview, any opportunity, any reason. Just isn't going to happen. Right. And the other three, hey, if I, I mean, today, uh, as we're having this conversation, I've got nine appointments. So yeah, I just uh, got myself two stogies, uh, brewed myself a full pitcher iced tea. And settled in. It's a nice day. I'm nice. gonna bang them out. Sounds great. That sounds awesome. Bang them out. Yeah. That's awesome. And 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 that's because I also understand that my energies fluctuate. There's one type of energy that is good for doing podcast interviews, coaching sessions with clients, getting coaching from my coach, and networking, business development calls, etc. There's another type of energy that makes me very effective when it comes to getting trance-like immersed and creativity, and generating things. And I know that if I go back and forth between those two, I'm just going to get confused and wiped out. So when people ask me, how is it that you can work so many hours a week and still not feel tired? Well, yeah, uh, there are days I just check out, but I haven't planned. I do have days I plan that are going to be, well, I'm not logging into the computer. I don't care what happens. Anybody whose issues could become my issues have my number. If they don't call me and leave a message, that's their problem. Yep. Nope, I hear you. Yeah, you, you need those blocks. You need those, you know, times where you can recharge, you know, especially when you and I are introverts. I, I would uh -huh. go and disappear to a Starbucks or some other place and just, you know, close everything down for 15, 20 minutes and come back recharged. But yeah, you definitely need to be aware of how best you operate. Um, block mm -hmm. out those times that make sense for you. You know, going back to your question about, you know, new prospects or new people wanted to call you, I'll usually say, okay, I'm usually I do, for example, Wednesday mornings, I'll just block out the mornings to talk to new people. So people know to go to my calendar and look at that that morning. But yeah, being in control of your calendar, um, I think is is super helpful and yeah uh, it goes back to being productive and making sure that what's the best for you and your journey exactly exactly so we're at the top here um i i will share with you with our audience your website so they can go discover more about you it's the radix group llc.com the radix r-a-d-i-x group llc.com and if you're viewing this episode on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, it's right there in the notes. You can discover about Robert's work. You can discover how to get a hold of those two books of his, which are now on my reading list. And you also see some opportunities to connect on social media. You can find them on places I hang out, like Facebook, LinkedIn. And he's got a great YouTube channel that I've had the opportunity to peruse a little bit as well. So, Robert, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Really appreciate the opportunity, and yep. uh, I'm jealous of you outside smoking <laughs> your stogie and uh, <laughs> enjoying your iced tea, but uh, have fun. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. 
While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.